Yes. Wasn't sure if that was my cue or not. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. All right. Tell the person sitting beside you, I'm glad you're here today. Tell the other one on the other side, I'm glad you're here today. Tell the other one that I'm glad to be in God's house today. Amen. I got to get you awake. Got to get you awake. I don't have the charisma of uh, Chad, so I got to do whatever I can to keep you nice and attentive. Thank God for the opportunity to be here this morning to share the word, to bring the word to you and to share it with you. Uh, My heart is glad. I am excited to be here. Uh, I know there are lots of things that are going on, and I know there are lots of places that you could have been this morning, but I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord. David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. We are still in the book of Exodus. We're going to be going through the Ten Commandments. We're on commandment number seven, so you can go to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, I don't have a lot of words for my commandment, five, thou shall not commit adultery. That's all I have for my words for the commandments. So let's go to Exodus and see what all that means. Exodus 20, verse number 14 And we'll all read it together, five words. You shall not commit adultery. Mm. Here we go, Lord, help us. (laughs) I asked Chad, I said, you're going to go out of town. You get to number seven. Seven is about adultery, and you tag me. Why? What did I do to you that you gave me number seven? All right, all right. So here we go. God's commandments. So we're in the Ten Commandments, um, and we're going to be trying to walk through it and see what God has to say. Because remember, the Ten Commandments are really guidelines about how God wanted his people to live, to interact with him, but also to interact with each other. And so as we're moving through Exodus and we get to God's commands, uh, they are known now as the Ten Commandments, but they were just the commands of God. And so as we're looking at these commands, we want to say, what's the real deal about commandment number seven? Thou shall not commit adultery. I'm not as gifted as charismatic, and God knows I don't have the energy of Chad Hunsberger. So, <laughs> and you may quote me. Uh, I don't have all that energy. David did such a great job last week in communicating and how clear he was in the commandment that he has, talking about you shall not murder. And then we move down into you shall not commit adultery. The first four commandments, if you're counting them off, really is about God's relationship to us and our relationship to him. And when you move into the last six, they are talking about how we relate to each other. God's command. So let's start. First point. 
I'll do it in points. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a teacher, so I can't preach it very well, but I can give you some points and a lot of scriptures. So I won't read all the scriptures because there's a lot of them, but I want you to write them down for you who are note takers and uh, people who like to write down the scripture to go back and study it later. I want to give you the scriptures because you don't need to necessarily hear what I have to say. I have lots of stories. I have lots of experiences. I go in lots of different places, but that doesn't save you. That doesn't bring you any life. It's the word of God that will give you life. And so I want to share the word of God with you this morning. So point number one is God's commandments. God's commandments. So again, as we think about the commandments, remember the first four are our relationship to God. The last six are our relationship to each other. And so when we get to this one, so we just talked about um, mothers and fathers, children obeying and, and doing what mothers and fathers say, honoring mother and father. The next one is, not, is, is murder. Like, wow, where, where are these going? Mother, father, murder, and then we come with adultery. Adultery. It's probably helpful to have a good understanding of what adultery is. I'm going to do my best to have it as G-rated <laughs> for all the little ears, the tender ears in here. So we're going to do our best to talk about what adultery is because we're framing God's point. It's much bigger than just adultery. It really is the gospel message embedded in it. It comes from the word adultery. It comes from a Hebrew word which often refers to the man, a man committing adultery, having a sexual act outside of his marriage. It is most often time thought of as the husband. Part two of that definition is it's referred to as a woman, as a wife. When you see the word originally, it calls the man the adulterer or adultery. Then you see the same word used, and it's talking about the woman, and it calls her the adulteress. But then there's a third use for this word, which means idolatry and idolatrous worship. It means to be led astray from God. So whether that's man, whether that's woman, or whether that's being pulled away from God, the word idolatry has lots of meanings. Most often, it means being joined to another person who is not your own. The law, we know about the law, the old Testament law, the commandments, and we know about the law, the Jewish law. And the law says, uh, Levi, I mean Leviticus 20, verse 10, it says, if a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, if that man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, what's going to happen? The adulterer and the adulteress will surely be put to death. Wow. Adultery leads to death. God said, kill both of them. Whoa, that's harsh. We remember the story, New Testament, 
Remember, Jesus was minding his own business, riding on the ground, and the scribes and the Pharisees, you remember that story, came to him, and they said, Rabbi, Master, we have a woman caught in the very act, you remember that story, of adultery. And the law says that we should stone her, we should kill her. But what do you say? And we remember that story very well. And we are so grateful. We're so thankful. We are so honored. We get a chance to see the beautiful picture of the gospel. What Jesus says, I don't condemn you, lady. I don't condemn you at all. But I'm setting you free. Go and sin no more. He dealt with the Pharisees. But for the lady, he said, I don't condemn you. Go and live differently. He gave her a gospel response. He delivered the woman because she was about to be killed. He delivered her. He declares himself in that same scripture. He declares himself to be the light of the world. He promises freedom for all who will believe in him. And then he says, trust in me. Believe in me. So what do we learn immediately from this response that Jesus gives her? One that when you mess up, Jesus says he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you mess up, confess up. If you need it in a rhyme, if you mess up, confess up so that he will clean you up, so that you can live up to the gospel in bodily form. How do you live in a gospel manner, in a manner worthy of the gospel? It is that you confess your sins. So we're talking about adultery, God's covenant, part two, God's covenant. So first we have God's commandment. And right here, there are 10 of them. There are commandments all throughout the Bible. But right here, we're studying 10 of them. And then we move to God's covenant. And covenant is a legally binding promise or agreement that God makes or two parties make with each other. It is contractually, legally binding for each other. Uh, a covenant means that I agree to something and you agree to something. We see covenants all throughout the Bible. You see them in the Old Testament. Let me give you a few. Uh, Genesis 9, verse 8 through 17. We see the covenant with Noah. We remember Noah. It rained. God was upset with the way and the sinfulness of man and God sent the rain, he sent the flood, destroyed the earth. God says, I won't do that again. So he made a covenant with Noah. And he says, I will not destroy the earth again by flood. What is the sign of the covenant? It is the rainbow. I know we think rainbow means something else these days. But rainbow is originally a sign of the covenant of God. He says, I won't destroy the earth again, Noah. Then he says in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, he makes a covenant with Abraham. 
He makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I will make you, Abraham, a mighty nation, and your seed will be as plentiful as the stars in the sky. Your seed, your children, your offspring, your grandchildren, and many, 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 many generations will be more plenteous than the sand on the seashore. He makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says, what is the sign of the covenant? It is circumcision in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's baptism. He makes a covenant with David. We know David. 2 Samuel 7, 8 through 16. He makes a covenant with David. He says, I'm going to keep you and your line on the throne forever. And he says, one of your descendants will sit perpetually on the throne of God. What is the sign of the covenant? Jesus Christ himself. And then we have one more. We have a covenant with Moses. The covenant with Moses is actually given right here in the text that we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Ten Commandments, but he's making covenant with Moses. He says, I will be your God. You will be my people. We will have relationship if you obey me, if you are faithful to me. What is the sign of the covenant? The sign of the covenant is the Sabbath and the sacrificial laws. So there are lots of covenants that God makes with his people. But let's see what covenant actually looks like. Now, I have a couple of things here. I'm going to do my best to not take too much time. I'm going to throw that down. It doesn't have to make all the greatest sense. And that, that's why I said Chad would never do this. Uh, and that, and one more. And that. So when we think about covenant, what does covenant mean? Covenant means, one, agreement. Two people need to agree on a thing. Three, two, there needs to be an oath and a sacrifice in order to have an Old Testament biblical typology of covenant. Three, there needs to be terms. There needs to be conditions. Four, there needs to be witnesses. Five, it needs to be ratified and celebrated. All right. Can I get a volunteer from the audience? Thank you, Sanders, for volunteering. <laughs> Yay. Give them a hand for volunteering. Yay. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. <laughs> All I need you to do is whichever one's going to go first. I'm going to take you by the arm, and I'm going to walk through these bags. When you think about Old Testament covenant, I couldn't figure out how to get it here, but in Old Testament, they would take a bull, an ox, they would take a goat, a lamb, or something, and they would cut it in half, and they would lay both sides, probably several of them, they would lay them on the sides, and party number one would walk through. And it'd say, may this happen to me like this happened to these animals. Party number two would say then, 
will the same thing happen to me as it does to these animals? Thank you. Thank you. Give them a hand. Thank you. That's all we need. To. My McDonald's bags are my hamburger bags, so I couldn't get steak here. <laughs> Have you ever been to Kroger and see how much a steak costs? And I was trying to get eight steaks, and I was like, well, that ain't going to work. So I decided I'd get hamburger meat. So we got hamburgers. So in the same way, may you be turned to hamburger meat if I break this covenant. So covenants are serious in the Bible. Today, we don't really think about covenant. It's easy to get in and out of what we call covenant. If you change your mind or you disagree or you say, I, don't, I didn't really mean it, you, you break the covenant. God says, may this happen to you. Because again, my bags are symbolic of the hamburger meat, which is symbolic of the oxen that is cut in half. And he says, walk through it and make the oath, make the sacrifice. May this happen to me. We're talking about adultery. May this happen to me if I break my covenant with you and if I'm married with my spouse. May this happen to me. But also there's celebration. So when we think about adultery, adultery is more than just sexual activity. Adultery is about covenant. It is about the very heart, the very essence of God. So we have God's commandment, we have God's covenant, but then we have man's covetedness. Covet. Exodus 20, verse 17, says you should not covet your neighbor's house, you should not cover, covet your neighbor's wife, or you should not covet his female servant. You should not covet his male servant. You should not cover, covet his ox, his donkey, his tractor, his deer camp membership, his uh, Airbnb, his vacation rental. You should not covet your neighbor's anything to covet means to want, to seek, to desire, to seek with intention, and to plot. So it's not just, I like your house, but I want your house, and I'll do whatever it takes to get your house. You say, okay, that's sort of understandable. We can see how bad that is, but what if we put that in the same context as a man's wife or another woman. Or we're on, let's go deeper, or we're on the internet and we're watching, G-rated, we're watching things that we should not be watching. Or we're on our phone and we're looking at things that do not bring God glory nor honor. And we're imagining what that would be like. And at that moment, we have coveted that experience. And so the Bible says commands, just two more commands later. He says you cannot covet your neighbor's anything. James 1, 
Turn there with me, James 1. James 1. Verse 13 says, when you are tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after evil has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. To covet means to want and to plot. It means to want something so bad that you start doing the actions that it takes. I remember um, when I was working on my doctorate degree, and uh, some of you who worked on doctorate degree, most times you have to do what they call a dissertation. And so when I got ready to do my dissertation, I was very interested in lots of things. I usually, uh, in, in counseling psychology, I usually try to stick with marriage and I try to stick with relationships. That was kind of my thing back in the day, still tonight, to, still today. But when I got ready to do my dissertation, I said, I wanna study the phenomenon of adultery. And I remember choosing that topic and sending it to my committee. And one of those days, my wife says, hey, what you gonna do the dissertation on? I said, I'm really interested in adultery. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. That was not a good day for me. <laughs> not a good day. She said, why are you so interested in adultery? I'm just fascinated with that topic. She said, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I got out of that, but uh, I did do the topic of adultery. That's what I wrote my dissertation on, and it is a wanting of another person or experience that you don't have, and you will violate every moral and spiritual code in order to get it. That's what covetousness means. That's what it means to want something that bad. So now the next one, we're talking about man's carousing, man's carousing. Man also has covetedness, and man has carousing. Carousing is any activity or another person that leads you away from God or leads you away from your spouse. Essentially, it is the breaking of boundaries, it is the forsaking of the cutoffs that are set for you. It is getting too close. It is going beyond what is acceptable. It means that you get too close and too comfortable with sin. I want you to hear me. You get too close and you get too comfortable with sin. And at that point, you start making excuses. Proverbs, I'm just gonna give you the scripture. Proverbs 5, verses three through six. The writer, of Hebrew, uh, the writer of Proverbs is saying, my son, avoid this woman. 
This woman is dangerous. This woman is evil. This woman has nothing good for you, this adulterous woman. Proverbs 5, 22 and 23. It says, my son, you will die for the lack of discipline. Learning to tell yourself no. How many times do we tell our children no? And they may throw a tantrum, right? They may have a fit, right? And those are the grown ones, right? Okay. <laughs> no one wants to hear no. Your spouse doesn't want to hear no. Your child doesn't want to hear no. Your friend doesn't want to hear no. When a person asks you for something, they want you to say yes. I'll just ask the parents in the room. How many parents in the room know you cannot always say yes to everything your children want? Why? You don't have to answer. Because it will kill them. Almost literally. If you said yes to everything your children want. Not so many children in the room, but those who are a little older, think back to all the things you asked for. And if you were to think about it, you would say, I'm so glad my parents didn't let me have what I asked for. Parents, you can't say yes to everything. And if you can't say yes to everything, what about God? God can't say yes to everything. Sometimes there's a yes, Sometimes God says no. I mean, we don't like when he says wait, but we'd almost take no over wait. But God knows there are things lined up for you that will destroy you. And Proverbs 6, 20 through 29, the writer of Proverbs again is saying, my son, don't forsake my commandments. Don't forsake don't put away the teachings of your mother. Why? Because they will keep you from the evil woman. This woman, her feet run to death. They run to wrongdoing. In her house is a stairway to hell itself. And you don't know that going in, he's saying, my son but it leads to Sheol itself. My son, listen to instruction. My daughter, listen, because this is not just for men. My daughter, listen to instruction. My people, listen to instruction. Colonial Heights, whoever's hearing me on live stream, listen to instruction. Don't go there. It is a trap set just for you. The Lord says, do not commit adultery because there's death at the end. Man's carousing. Next point, couples conflict. Because again, again, we think this is talking merely about adultery, the one act. But it's so much more than that. Couples in conflict. It means couples who are fighting, couples who can't get along, couples who are arguing. Every couple disagrees, right? Every couple has an argument, right? Argument, just for the record, argument is different 
than quarreling. An argument in the truest sense means this is your point and this is my point. And we're exchanging points. We are arguing a point. Quarreling is when personality and anger and emotion gets involved with it. And we start pointing fingers and putting them in your face and saying, you will not. And you don't talk to me like that. And who do you think you are? Now we're at quarrel. Nothing good comes out of quarrel. You never see quarrel lead to anything good in the Bible. But when couples are in conflict, they don't have unity. They don't have connection. They don't have unity. They don't have harmony. They are divided. You give yourself permission to do wrong. Don't say amen. Don't say amen. How many of us can say, not necessarily adultery, but with our spouse, we give ourselves permission to do wrong, to say the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing, things that you know hurt the other one, the thing that you know your spouse is super agitated about, and we'll just do it. Annette came in the other day. Is this thing I like to spray room freshener, and she hates it, and I love it. And I thought I was in there by myself, and I had sprayed it, and I had the rooms. It was a cloud of, of great witnesses. And she walked in, and she's like, I thought I said, I don't like this spray. Excuse you? Excuse me? And I'm thinking, she did tell me that. And I wanted to spray it again, but I thought, I know she doesn't like this spray. So I would say, then why do it? Because it's my spray. And I bought the spray, and I like the spray. And the spray is neutral. Ain't nothing wrong with the spray. But I know it upsets her. Now, maybe y'all can all stretch your hand this way and pray for her <laughs> and say, Annette, stop. It's just a spray. But she has made it clear, I don't like that. So why would I, as a husband, intentionally do something that I know my wife does not enjoy? It is the conflict. James, James 4, James 4, verse 1 says, what causes fights among you? Don't they come from your desires that come from within? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, James says. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, if anyone chooses to be a friend of the world, he becomes an enemy of God. It's not just about adultery. We're talking about your relationship with Christ. When we 
do things, we allow things, we get too comfortable with sin, we get too comfortable with that word, we get too comfortable with that person, we get too comfortable with that Facebook post, we get too comfortable with the people on the other side of Facebook and Instagram, we get too comfortable with our coworker, we get too comfortable with our old high school friend, we get too comfortable with people and things and screens Death is right around the corner. When we are in conflict, next point, couples are in chaos. Couples in conflict, couples are in chaos. Couples are in chaos. All sort of disorders, all sort of anger and bitterness comes from that. It is the work of the flesh, Galatians says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. 519 says the deeds of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, angry people, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you that those who do this and live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, 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 but God. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Above those kinds of things, there is no law. Couples who don't walk in the spirit, they drift. Naturally, there's a drift. Maybe not intentionally. If you take one step away from your spouse, if you take one step away from God, if you take one step away from the unity of your relationship before long, you will naturally drift to over there. And we will end, last point, we will end like we started with God's command, Christ's redemption. Christ's redemption. Ephesians 5, you know it very well. It says, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Although he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped but he lowered himself and became a servant and he died, even death on a cross. And because of that, he was given a name. You ought to say amen. That is above every name. And at this name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is redemption. 
Christ can save. Christ can heal. Christ can deliver. The gospel message is even embedded in the command of adultery. James 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. So for you today, if you're hearing my voice, if you're hearing what I'm saying, there may be times where you may not even understand what all this adultery means. It does mean sexual activity, but it's not only sexual activity. It is anything that draws you away from God, and it is anything that draws you away from your spouse because you are in covenant. May this happen to you if you break covenant. The good news of the gospel is he's the God of a second chance and a third chance and a tenth chance and a fifteenth chance. His mercy is new every day. Some of you may be in here and you may not be in covenant with God. And I want to invite you to consider where you are with Christ. The things we're talking about may make sense to you in the natural, but they may not make sense to you in the spirit. If that's you and you want to know more about that, right over here, someone will be there and they will be able to explain and pray with you. If you want to know more about having a personal relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, we're here for you. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel embarrassed. Have the strength, the courage to stand up. In just a moment, we're all going to stand. And we want you to be able to come. There may be somebody here that you may have messed up. If we will be honest, you may have messed up, whether that's in the physical adultery, the emotional adultery, the spiritual adultery, the emotional adultery, the adultery on your computer screen, and you want prayer. We're here for you. Let this be your day where you say, Today is my day. I want to be right with God, and I want to shake this off. I will confess and let God clean me up. So as we're all standing, and as this praise band sings, if that's you, I want you to be in meditation and contemplation. But if that's you, I want you to come either to this altar or go to this room here. And we ask that you would get the help that you need and start a relationship afresh with Jesus Christ.